Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A-Ball with Eric Os. I am Eric Os, and it is good to have you with us here on episode number 12 as we'll be talking with one of the Lumber Kings infielders, Bubba Hollins, a versatile infielder is that. We've seen him at second. We've seen him at third. We'll touch with that briefly on him during the interview, and also one of the hottest bats as of late for the Lumber Kings. An interesting story for Hollins this year. He began the season red hot. He was hitting 358 at the time of an injury with a couple couple of home runs on the season as well. And then on May the 1st, going from first to third, a hamstring injury that we'll be talking with Hollins about, fortunately a recurring injury for him. It flared its ugly head again, and he was placed on the injured list the following day. Did not see Hollins again for the better part of a month, but we are happy to report to you he is back on the Lumber Kings active roster, and he is one of the hottest bats as of late. After the final five games of the first half for Lumber Kings, Holland's batting 357, and unfortunately has kind of been an exception to what has been a slumping offense, to say the least, for the Lumber Kings to close down the first half of the 2019 season. Lumber Kings, no, they did not make the playoffs in 2019 in the first half. And the way they had ended the first half was kind of an ugly way. They lost three straight games against the Cedar Rapids Colonels, which improbably meant that they punched their ticket to the postseason, edging out the Burlington Bees, the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels, the Colonels, the single-A affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. And that improbable come-from-behind effort was made possible because of the Lumber Kings' lack of offense. I mean, we went out to Cedar Rapids, and all the Lumber Kings had over three games of baseball was one run to show for it in each game, three runs total. And unfortunately, that had fit the theme. Over the final 10 games for the Lumber Kings as a team, they batted just 191. And then over the final 10 games of the half, they scored 26 runs, not a very good average of 2.6 runs a game. And if you expand that out to the final 16 games of the half, which would be the beginning of June, they had only scored 31 runs over 16 games, and that's a 1.9 average for runs scored. So it has been an offense that has really struggled as of late, and that has unfortunately come while the pitching staff has been lights out. Still, the Lumber Kings over the final 10 games, they went 4-6 and six despite a team ERA of 1.63. And so the Lumber Kings will look to try to right those wrongs as the lineup will be changing quite a bit when we open the second half here in the Midwest League. We record this on Monday, June 17th, on day one of the All-Star break. The next time we'll see action will be the opener of the second half, game number 70 of the 139-game schedule for the Clinton Lumber Kings. They will be on the road on Thursday, June 20th, to open up against the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, a single-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers, to start that second half of the 2019 season. Lumber Kings will be sending out three All-Stars. In fact, as we record this again on Monday, the 17th of June, we've got Gerard Encarnacion. He is currently out in South Bend competing in the Home Run Derby and the new prize that was announced for $1,000 for the winner of the Home Run Derby. So best of luck to Gerard Encarnacion. So we should read off his impressive, impressive numbers in the first half of the season. We'll put him in the proper context of where it has stacked up against other prospects here in the Midwest League. Encarnacion batting 298 at the end of the first half, eighth best in the league, 10 home runs tied for fourth best in the league, 43 RBIs tied for fifth in the league, a 
478 slugging percentage, seventh in the league, a 841 OPS, seventh in the league, 76 hits, that's the second most in the league, 16 doubles tied for seventh in the league, 26 extra base hits tied for fifth in the league, and 122 total bases, third in the league. That is how good Encarnacion has been this season, and who knows, maybe he won't be here to start the second half because of numbers like that, but at least he'll be able to, if he were not be here in the second half, be spending his final days as a Lumber King in the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby is certainly well-deserved. He'll be the only Lumber King starter in the 55th All-Star Game, which will occur on Tuesday, June 18th. Now, other Lumber Kings that have been atop the leaderboard, you've got Sean Reynolds, nine home runs at the end of the first half, seventh most in the league. You have Christopher Torres, another top prospect in the Miami Marlins organization who had come over from the Seattle Mariners. 44 walks he has drawn on the on the season. That is the third most in the league and kind of outplays the average because Torres has been struggling, batting 168 coming into the final contest of the day yesterday out in Cedar Rapids. And that is in the face of a 336 on base percentage because of those 44 walks for Torres and the third most in the league. Then, of course, you have Connor Scott, who has got 16 stolen bases to end the first half, tied for the fifth most in the league. Now, the Lumber Kings, though, have been a team built on pitching primarily this season, and that is when you talk about the starting rotation, in particular, Humberto Mejia, Chris Valamont and Alberto Guerrero. Mejia and Valamont, they are out in South Bend for the All-Star Game, part of the three Lumber Kings representatives in South Bend. But Mejia, to read his numbers off, he ends the first half with the best ERA in all of the Midwest League, 2.03 for Mejia. Now, he ended with a loss to end the first half, but still has the highest winning percentage in the Midwest League of 833. He also has the lowest whip in the league, 0.92, which measures how many base runners are on in a given inning. An opponent batting average of 176. That's the lowest in the Midwest League. He's also thrown 66 and two-thirds innings, the eighth most in the league, and he struck out 68 batters, the tenth most in the league. Also among the leaders is Chris Valamont, the Lumber King's opening day starter, who has not missed his start and is why he's tied for third in the league. In game started with 13 of them. He also has a 2.99 earned run average at the end of the first half, eighth best in the Midwest League. He struck out 80 batters, which is tied for the most in the Midwest League. He's also logged 69 in a third innings, which is the third most in the league. An opponent batting average of 198, the third best in the league, and a whip of 1.07, the sixth best in the league. That is how strong the one-two punch has been of Chris Valamont and Humberto Mejia. Big reason why they're out in South Bend as the Lumber Kings All-Stars. And then, of course, there's Alberto Guerrero, a 2.15 earned run average, the second best in the Midwest League. And then, of course, his winning percentage, 750 on the season, the third best in the league. Guerrero had picked up a win his last time out, which was his first since his final start in the month of April. So Guerrero, who at times has not quite been rewarded for his strong starts this season was able to do so his last time out it was against the Peoria Chiefs the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals, part of a series win for the Lumber Kings, taking two out of three, and that was despite the slumps offensively. As at the end of the first half, the Lumber Kings, when it comes to the start, the success of the starters, they have let 43 runners been inherited by the bullpen on the year, and that is translated into 15 runs being scored on those inherited runners. So 35% of the runs the bullpen has inherited from the starting rotation they have come into score and that has been a reason for some of the 
lack of reward, I guess you would say, for Alberto Guerrero in one case of it. But the Lumber Kings starting rotation that could be changing for the second half of the season. We're looking like Tyler Jones will be put into the Lumber Kings starting rotation at the very least. And then we'll see who the new faces will be. That'll be close towards the end of the College World Series. Contracts will be signed, and then shortly the Lumber Kings will be expecting the first of the Miami Marlins 2019 draft class to arrive here at the single-A level, part of the seasons of a season at the Midwest League level just because of the new faces and the promotions that will likely happen following the festivities out in South Bend. Again, that All-Star game is going to be on Tuesday the 18th. Wednesday the 19th will be the final day of the break, and back in action on the 20th on Thursday out in Wisconsin against the Timber Rattlers. Lumber Kings, though, have had a tough time going offensively, but we'll be talking with one of the exceptions, Bubba Hollins, and an interesting season that has been for Bubba. He's had to battle through a con- an injury that unfortunately has plagued him throughout his playing career, but it has not affected the most recent developments for Bubba, a 3.57 average over his last five games. We'll be talking about that pace that Hollins had just started when we had talked with him on Thursday out here in Clinton, or rather a game against the Peoria Chiefs. It was the final home game of the 2019's first half on the 13th. So we thank Bubba for his time, and he joins us next on A-Ball with Eric Oz. Welcome back on A-Ball with Eric Ose. We're now joined by one of the Lumber Kings infielders, Bubba Hollins. I guess we can say sort of an everyday third baseman, right? And thanks for doing this and coming on A-Ball here. Absolutely, no problem. Well, we are talking here with Bubba Hollins for what the Clinton Lumber Kings, we've seen an interesting season for you, right? It started here on opening day, then had an injury, unfortunately, that you had to bounce back of losing almost a month in May, but a really hot start to the season. How, how have you taken away what has gone on in 2019? Because it seems like it has been a roller coaster for Bubba Hollins this year. Yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster. I mean, uh, the injuries, is a setback, but I mean, that's part of the game. You just got to move on, move from it. And, just take everything a day at a time after that and uh, just try to build off each day and uh, try to forget about the injury, <laughs> stay <laughs> well, healthy. That's right. I, I guess uh, they always ask what some of the goals are for guys coming into this season, and health is usually one of them, right? So what was the injury that had sidelined you for a little bit? It, if I'm remembering correctly, it was against West Michigan. It looked like you were going from second to third. We saw you pull up with a limp, and the next day you're on the injured list. So what were the uh, details, I guess, on that injury? Yeah, I mean, staying healthy is definitely a huge goal for everybody coming into the season. I mean, it's what you work so hard in the off season for. And then, yeah, the injury was uh, running from first to third and uh, kind of pulled up on the way to third. Uh, the hamstring got me, uh, hamstring tendon, actually uh, – made a popping sound or whatever so it was a little hamstring pull and uh yeah that's that's just what happened just run first to third has that ever been a history uh, of an injury for you in the past yeah it's definitely it's been a history for me this is probably this is the third time I've had it second time in pro ball I had it my first year uh same hamstring but different spot so uh tried in the off season to prevent this but sometimes it just happens 
How did, what goes into rehabbing that injury then? I guess you have a little bit of experience, unfortunately, doing right. that. But what goes into that rehab? Because as we said, it was a long process for yeah, you, almost a month. Yeah, hamstrings are normally a long process. Um, good thing it wasn't too bad, though. But, uh, yeah, normally, I mean, the best thing for it, honestly, is just rest. Rest for a hamstring. There's not much you could do besides we do stem. Uh, we do ice, a lot of ice, a lot of heat, contrast, and uh, – Mark Pro, different things, just uh, little exercises for strength. And uh, that's about it, honestly. When we were filling in the fans on the uh, broadcast side of things about the injury, we were telling everyone that Bubba's got to be close to coming back because it's always a good sign first when a player stays with the team as opposed to being sent back down to wherever the spring training facility is, whether it's Florida or out in Arizona, but also because we saw you doing some catching duties out in the bullpen, so we thought that was a a good sign that you're on the road to recovery. I imagine that was a little alien, but what is that like? Are you the emergency catcher if such a situation should arise here in Clinton? I'd say I've earned that spot, yeah, I think. think I think uh, our pitching coach and manager would agree with that too. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, they said that part of st- being able to stay here for rehab would be to catch bullpens, which, I mean, kind of sucks at the time because it's it's not something good for your leg. I mean, but I mean, it d- didn't hurt to go into a squat to catch bullpens, I guess, and, you know, anything to help out the team while you're not in and, Honestly, we didn't know how serious the hamstring was. We didn't know if it was going to be a week, 10 days, two weeks, whatever, and then it turned out being almost a month, which uh, it hurts. But, I mean, you know, come back stronger and try to stay healthy the rest of the season. And it was, as we said earlier, a very hot start to the season. I think at the time of the injury, you were up at either two or tight for first in the league in batting average, 358. So what was working for you early on in that season? And unfortunately, you kind of lose that mojo, right, with just being sidelined for the better part of a month. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's just, uh, I don't know, you just get into a groove of playing every day, you start to see the ball a little better, recognize pitching, the pitches better, and more aware of the strike zone and once you get into that groove and you just start not thinking about things everything starts to flow and you know you hit the ball hard good things will happen and then taking a month off and trying to get back into things it's like just kind of starting from coming out of spring training or like going as you know just come back to seeing pitching again is a uh, is a little tough uh to get back into that groove but you got to find it you know was it a good spring for you that carried over into the start of the season this year then? I, I think it was. I mean, definitely it was, was a strong spring for me, I think, uh, at the plate. Yeah, I felt I felt really good coming into the season this year. Pretty confident in the swing I had and the stance so and approach. So I, I think that I definitely brought that into the season this year. And how was it like? Because we heard, we, I think it was Alex Vessia last year or last week that we had on the uh, podcast, and he was talking about the group that he had with him out in Batavia. And, I mean, you were with the Batavia Muck Dogs as well, and it seems like that's the healthiest contingent of uh, representatives here for the Lumber Kings now. So a group that has that familiarity with you from spring training then into uh, Clinton. I mean, the manager himself, Mike Jacobs, is out here as well. Has that been part of that seamless transition, I guess, from getting up here to the uh, full season uh, A affiliate of the Marlins now? Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps when you got a group of guys that are all familiar with each other who have a history and that chemistry that everybody could build off each other. And, you know, we're all like brothers. We spend every day together. So, I mean, yeah, that helps That helps anybody uh, move move forward in any career, I think. 
And what is it like hitting in this lineup? Because we've seen you all over the place. We've seen you at the top. We've seen you at the bottom. We've seen you at the middle. We've seen you hit behind Gerard Encarnacion. We've seen you hit in front of him as well. So there's lots of power in this lineup. And what is that like? Because it's always a, a different battle right at the plate. Yeah, you know, I think it's what's interesting about this year is, and I know it hasn't shown all year for us as a as a group, but, I mean, on paper and knowing who we are as hitters and players – I mean, collectively as a group, I mean, we have a very talented group of players. I mean, I've been with these guys for a while now, and our coaches say it every day. I mean, they know how good we could be. I mean, there is easily one through nine, I mean, at least eight of us, or all, not all of us, we could hit in multiple different spots in the lineup, I think. So that's definitely helpful and probably makes it a little tougher on Jake to uh, make decisions for the lineup each day. <laughs> well, I guess that's uh, champagne problems, right, to that's have right. The too uh, much talent to, to yeah. fill into one lineup card each given day. We're talking here with uh, Bubba Hollins. Wanted to pick your brain, too, and just going into baseball, you come from northern New York, right? I've heard you talk about hockey on the bus, so that tells yes, you sir. how far north in, uh, right. in New York you are. Were there other sports growing up? Because, I mean, you come from a baseball yeah. family, right? Your dad mm-hmm. was in the major leagues, made an all-star appearance as well, but was it just baseball or was was there hockey involved too, maybe? No, it was not just baseball. Um, it was actually uh, growing up, I played football. I've played football my whole life, all the way through high school. And uh, I played tennis up until high school, uh, golf. So there are multiple sports. I mean, pick up basketball, pick up hockey. Never played those on a team, though. But, yeah, there were definitely multiple sports growing up. Football being my favorite, for sure. And when we had you on the, the pregame show, again, this is a while ago, it was back in April, but we were talking about those extra sports that you had played and kind of transitioning those skills into baseball. And I was interested in hearing about your tennis because, I mean, you're third base. It's a hot corner, and in tennis you have to go to the backhand quite a bit, and right. that's what you have to do at third base too. Is that one of those skill sets that you felt like really helped you out on the baseball diamond from the tennis court? You know what, growing up playing tennis uh... – for the 15 years or so that I played it and still now I mean my three sisters all play too um division one they play and uh I think it's definitely helped with footwork in the infield more than anything I mean footwork in tennis I mean you're constantly moving your feet and it's similar getting ready to return a serve I mean that ready position you're in is almost the same as what most infielders try to mimic uh every day on the field so yeah, I think tennis was, was huge for defense. And as we said when we were talking to you about third base, it was in, we should mention, too, we have seen you at other positions here this season. We saw you over at second base just last series out in Burlington. I imagine third base is the most comfortable of the positions for Bubba Hollins, but is do you obviously have some familiarity with other positions and that versatility defensively? Um, I grew up playing shortstop all the way through high school, and then I made that change in uh, college. When I got to college, they put me at third, and I stuck there mostly. And, yeah, I'd say I'm most comfortable at third. And, uh, well, I'm definitely I'm comfortable at the other positions. I never played first base before until last year, but – Man, after a few games, you just get in the rhythm of things. And then same with second base. I, I'm a little more familiar with that. And, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable just around the infield.
So you make that change from short to third. What is that? You see that a lot at the major league levels, right? I mean, Cal Ripken famously moved from short to third later on in his career. They wanted Derek Jeter to do that, but instead he went to Alex Rodriguez <laughs> to make the change defensively. What is that like just on the diamond? It, I mean, short, you have to cover a lot more ground, but then you hear it third. It's a lot more of that instinct, that first quick step, the hot corner for a reason. What, what all went into that process of learning a new position, which if you talk to a non-baseball fan, you'd say, how easy could it be? I mean, he's right next to the guy, you know, but there's yeah. a lot to it, right? Yeah, I mean, you said, I mean, shortstop, you have more time to read the ball, get your hop, but you also have to cover more ground. And then at third base, it's more of a reaction position. I mean, the ball's coming at you 100 miles an hour. You got to take one step, and that's all you get to make a play. You're either diving or the ball's in your glove already. And um, I think the big thing that helped me move over there, honestly, is just reps. I mean, a lot of ground balls uh, – just live reps too. I mean, BP reps off the bat is what uh, helped out mostly in college and even now. And uh, I'd say that's all it really is, is repetition over there because it is, it's definitely different than the middle. Reputation, repetition makes sense because that's how you get familiar with everything. So I wanted to ask you this because it's so interesting to hear from an infielder with the current climate of baseball. Everyone shifts all the time. Are those repetitions starting to come on the shifting side of things? Because maybe you aren't at shortstop anymore like you were in college, but sometimes you're playing a shortstop position given the batter. Um, what is that like as well? Because sometimes I've been saying on the broadcast from time to time that one of these guys are going to need to look like quarterbacks now and have different, you know, <laughs> defensive alignments for given guys oh, absolutely but yeah with the shifts I mean in the games I mean all, all you're doing is letting your experience take over I mean you forget about everything you've done before then you're just playing the game but uh I guess you don't really realize it uh, when you're out there but I mean I am aware when I do move over to shore on the shift I mean I know I got uh, a little more time to make the play or you know read my hop a little more I don't have to get as low in my preset and I know I might need to back up and cover a little more ground, so I mean it's it's fun though. It's fun being able to play in those shifts nowadays. I mean, well, it's makes like the game can, a little more interesting. It's like you can play five positions in in one inning, that's right? right? So that's yeah. kind of cool, you right? Never yeah. Know. <laughs> 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 We're talking here with Bubba Hollins, one of the Lumber Kings infielders, and we said before, kind of the everyday third baseman for the Clinton Lumber Kings, talking about the defensive side of things, but wanted to get back to the offense. As we mentioned, a, a 358 average at the time of your injury. You come back here to the Lumber Kings, and again, we've seen you kind of all over in the lineup. How have you felt the, uh, the return to the Lumber Kings lineup has been for you now that you've been back for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I'm starting to get, get back to being me, being more comfortable in the box, and with the guys again, I mean, I think, uh, you know, just playing every day again, you just start to get back into that groove of things and hopefully things take off in the right direction. And how does the uh, offensive approach change, as we said, all over the lineup? But yeah, sometimes you'll be in front of a guy like a Gerard Encarnacion who's hitting nine home runs and is going to be out in the home run derby for the Lumber Kings. And then other times you'll be back in the lineup where it, it changes, right, just on the types of pitches you see and also the strategy that goes into that at bat. I think I forget who we were talking with it about, but the, just that mental uh, mindset, that battle that occurs between a hitter and a pitcher, changing on what you want to do, given you batting eight or two in a lineup card. Has that ever factored into a, an offensive approach at the plate, or is it just sort of uh, you know staying in your own zone and doing what you can do at the plate? I think you try to come to the field and uh, step in the box and try to 
do the same things every day, you know, stay in, st- stick to the process and stick to what you're good at in the box and keep the same approach. And, and uh, the only thing that would change there would be the situation. If the situation determ- would determine what would uh, change in the box there, like runners in scoring position, if you're batting second as opposed to eighth in the lineup. I mean, it all just depends. But really, I guess the, the actual lineup – really only makes a big difference that first time through you know and then after after that first time through the lineup I mean anything could change you could be batting eighth in the lineup but that that next inning third inning comes around you could be bat you could be second up to bat you know so that's how that's how I look at things and you were out with the uh, Batavia Muck Dogs last season come here to the Clinton Lumber Kings how is the uh, trend how have you felt the uh, competition has been uh, different at all from the New York Penn League up to the promotion here in the Midwest League yeah, I mean, I think that just pitchers just have a little more awareness of the strike zone, a little more control of their off-speed pitches, and and uh, obviously they're a little smarter pitchers, and it's just a little harder each each level, I'd say. Yeah, I was uh, watching a, a video, I forget who it was, it was an old uh, Padres utility infielder, and he was trying to describe each level and what had gone up, and he was mentioning different pitch types, and I think at the A level he was saying that it was the changeup that was starting to be a little bit more refined that he could pick up from from the shorter seasons. Have you felt that to be the case at all? Because usually when we talk to pitchers, they say fastball, curveball, slider, working on the changeup, so, at, at least at the A level. No, absolutely. I mean, I think pitchers uh their main out pitches here would be a slider curveball and then uh but as you go up I think that the change-ups get better I mean spending a little time with the Jupiter team last year and also the Greensboro team last year I'd say that the change-ups were uh there was a big difference especially in high A with the control and the spin and everything so yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. <laughs> well, it's it, it's good to hear again. We're talking here with uh, Bubba Hollins, one of the Lumber Kings infielders. And uh, as we mentioned, you know, you come from a, a baseball family. Your your dad had played at the major league level. W- were you a, a clubhouse kid that got to see uh you know the uh, behind the scenes operation of baseball from a young age? Um, I'd say I'd say yes. More when my my dad was uh, coaching during his coaching career when I when he was playing I was a little too young I was maybe two or three years old one two three whatever I don't I don't really remember right, those yeah. years you know <laughs> just like anybody but uh yeah when he started coaching I was around the guys a lot when he was a hitting coach for the Binghamton Mets and I was with him on I mean multiple occasions for road trips home games whatever and just being around the guys I mean you just pick up on things from from seeing them and just watching the games so, I mean, I think that's definitely helped me. So was uh, it, like, early on that you thought, you know, may, I want to do this, right? Because, I mean, you're around it, you know, very quite regularly, just given the connection with your dad, and you obviously have a lot of skill in it because right. you're playing professionally. <laughs> so was that something very early on that you thought, I could do this as a career? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I knew at a very young age just from myself, I just knew that baseball is what I wanted to do. I mean, there's there was nothing else that uh, – I had in mind that I wanted to do for the rest of my life or for the baseball life I could I could do uh and uh yeah it's been it's been the dream since I was a little kid. Well when we had you out at the beginning of the season because as we said you've been here since opening day we had you fill out a questionnaire and one of the questions was what would you be doing in baseball if you you know weren't a professional baseball player and I think you had said marketing and we we're kind of interested in why that was the case. Yeah that was my major in college and uh 
I mean, something with business would be of my interest, whether it's marketing or uh, being a stockbroker, maybe. I mean, that's been something that's also my family and something I'd want to do. I'm just always been interested in business. Well, I guess that makes sense, too. And what did the uh, college have to uh, fill in, I guess, for you on the uh, the baseball development, as it were, to get you here to Clinton, too? Because, I mean, education, obviously, part of it, too, that helps the professional career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, college is huge for education, uh, getting more familiar with the off-the-field type deal and uh, just preparing you for life other than baseball. Yeah, the, I guess the maturity, I think we had uh, Alex Vesia talking to us about that and just seeing, you know, uh, younger guys. It's got to be kind of interesting because I guess you would fit as the mature one on the team because we've got 19-year-olds here and right. like Connor Scott and Will Banfield. So does that help at all in that clubhouse? Uh, I don't know how to describe it, maybe like the culture a little bit because there's so many different vantage points, right, from a youth to the maturity, college guys to high school guys. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean – I mean, we. I think we all balance each other out and learn from each other. I mean, the def. I mean, the young guys definitely uh, look up to us when it comes to things that we've been through that they haven't. Especially since Connor and Will haven't been to college, and there's a lot of things that you learn through college. A lot of growing up, and I mean, it's cool because we're like the big brothers to them, and they're the little brothers, the cool little brothers to have around, and uh, yeah, it makes thing, things a lot more fun in the clubhouse for sure. Yeah, teach them how to use the uh, the laundry and also <laughs> to boil right. the water. Yeah, Absol- those, those absolutely. life skills that <laughs> some people may take for granted. Well, we want to always leave our interviews with kind of a lighthearted question, and it's a good time to ask it because this will be the last episode of A-Ball before the All-Star break for the Lumber Kings. A grind will be coming to an end before the second half begins. Uh, hobbies that you might have that you may now have a chance to actually indulge with three straight <laughs> off days starting on Monday, June 16th, and then coming to an end on Wednesday the 17th any big plans or, or hobbies that you might have I wouldn't say big plans okay. but uh, maybe go play 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 around the golf or so on one of the off days and just try to relax and get the body ready for the second half and sleep in too right absolutely a yeah. lot of sleep boy it's gonna be <laughs> totally glorious when those three off days will come and then of course a rested group will begin the second half it's a uh, bubble Holland thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us here on a ball I appreciate you having me thank you And welcome back to A-Ball with Eric Os. You just heard from one of the Lumber Kings infielders and really kind of an everyday third baseman in Bubba Hollins, although we've seen him at second base talking to us about that versatility that he will play and kind of leaning on those college days when you play all over the diamond. But Hollins here for the Lumber Kings, again, the single-A affiliate of the Miami Marlins. He's been a third baseman. He's only had a couple of games at second, and he has been one of the Lumber Kings' most consistent hitters when he's been in the lineup. And for Bubba Hollins, with nearly a month missed on the injury, that unfortunately has been the adversity that he has had to overcome here in 2019. But we appreciate him taking the time right before the Lumber Kings would go on to defeat the Peoria Chiefs in what was a series win here in Clinton at Nelson Corp Field. Bubba Hollins, again, appreciated for taking the time here on episode number 12. The Lumber Kings, though, will be back in action next on Thursday, June 20th. So hopefully 
we will have you along for the broadcast and also for maybe a, a game or two up in Wisconsin, the single-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. The Lumber Kings have had a interesting track record against those Milwaukee Brewers prospects this year. They had swept them. It's still the only sweep of the season for the Lumber Kings, but it was all the way back on April the 18th. It went through the 20th of April, and the Lumber Kings looked like they had their number, then did not see Wisconsin again until they met them on the road towards the end of May, the 28th through the 30th, and then they got swept. And since then, the Lumber Kings offense, it has been in free-fall mode. We've been talking about the slump that has hit the Lumber Kings very harshly towards the end of the first half over those final 16 games. The Lumber Kings seen an average in runs scored of 1.9 per game. And unfortunately, coming while the pitching staff has been lights out, a 1.63 earned run average over their final 10 games. The Lumber Kings, though, will look to rebound, as we mentioned, behind new faces because, well, we've got none to tell you about. We try to keep you abreast of all the different roster moves that come into Clinton throughout the season. And we've got nothing to report to you since we last spoke with you out in Merlington with the Lumber Kings left-handed option, Alex Vassia. But that will be changed. The Lumber Kings, who will open that second half on Thursday. It will be towards the end of the college season with the College World Series winding down to an end. And then we'll see the professional contracts signed. We'll see the new faces arrive here. And we'll also see some promotions that will be very well-deserved, we imagine, up to the high A ranks with the Jupiter Hammerheads. Before we go, of course, we will shamelessly plug the broadcast side of things. As we mentioned, we are... On the All-Star break right now, so we've got golf to play and sleep to have. But when we come back on Thursday, June 20th, you can hear all the Lumber Kings' remaining games of the 2019 season with yours truly on the call. If you're in the broadcast range, it's 100.3 FM WCCI. And for those of you outside the broadcast range, you can listen to all the Lumber Kings' action online at LumberKings.com via the TuneIn Radio app. For all 139 games of the schedule, there'll be 70 more of them in the second half. And as it works in the Midwest League, the slate will be wiped clean, so to speak. So Lumber Kings will compete for the playoffs now with six teams gearing up for two playoff spots. The winners in the Western Division for those two playoff spots in the first half were the Quad Cities River Bandits as the division champions, and then the Cedar Rapids Colonels, who had swept the Lumber Kings out at Perfect Game Field at Veterans Memorial Stadium in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That meant improbably the Colonels, well, they are the wild card winner in the first half over the Burlington Bees. They needed to sweep the Lumber Kings. They did that. They also needed help from the Peoria Chiefs to take two out of three from the Bees, and they also got that. So that is how the Colonels are back to the playoffs for the seventh consecutive time. A very impressive track record for the Minnesota Twins single-A affiliate. Over in the Eastern Division, the winners were the Great Lakes Loons to take the division. They are the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers with the best record in the Midwest League. They were 42-23 and 23 coming into the final contest of this first half. And then the wildcard winner, that is the Lake County Captains who had over who had 40 wins in the first half to take the wild card in the Eastern Division. The captain's a single-A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. What that means, though, is that the Quad Cities River Bandits in the Western Division, along with the Cedar Rapids Colonels, they will not be looking for a playoff seeding or anything in the second half, so the Lumber Kings will compete against the remaining six teams who are scrambling 
for playoff validation in the second half. So that is what will set the table for the Lumber Kings when they meet the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers on Thursday, June 20th. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to the episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope that we can see you on the next episode of A Ball with Eric Ose and also out at a ball game at some point this season, maybe even see you on the radio with Lumber Kings broadcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. 